One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Tortoise. Hello, I'm James Harding, and... We're going to have an impromptu news meeting because the story about a BBC presenter allegedly paying a young person for sexually explicit photos is still dominating the news. And there are a host of questions that we find ourselves asking in the Tortoise newsroom, genuine questions about why the presenter has not been named, what the issues of privacy are in this particular case, how you weigh those individual rights versus the public interest and journalistic questions about how the BBC pursues this story, but also what The Sun knew when it chose to publish. We're trying to get to the bottom of those. And so I asked two people that I've worked with previously, Pia Sama, who's the editorial legal director for The Times and The Sunday Times, and is the deputy general counsel for News UK, which, of course, owns The Sun, as well as Danny Shaw. We worked together at the BBC. He was previously the BBC's home affairs correspondent and now comments on crime, justice and policing issues. Hello to you both. Thank you for making time. Hi, James. Hello. Hi, James. Before we get into this, I just think we should have a recap on where we are. And the reality is, is this is one of those stories where there's a huge amount of smoke and very little light. We don't know more than we do. We don't know exactly what the allegations were, exactly how they were made. We know there was a gap between the original complaint made in mid-May and the extent to which they were brought to light, particularly at the top of the BBC last week. We don't fully understand what the BBC top executives were told on the Thursday, why the presenter was taken off air on the Friday, why the the presenter was then suspended on the Sunday. It's very unclear how the police have been called in. And it remains unclear whether or not at all there is criminality involved, whether or not the allegations are behavioural or criminal. All of which is to say that it's very hard to understand exactly how to weigh the issues of privacy and the public interest. When asked about this, Tim Davey, the Director General of the BBC, told Sarah Montague at The World of One the following. Take a listen. In terms of the situation we've got on our hands here, I think I want to say one thing up front, which is you are balancing serious allegations, duty of care, privacy issues and legitimate public interest. And how do you navigate that fairly, calmly, and do due diligence? I've given a bit of context to um, a few people in terms of the numbers of issues we get coming into our corporate investigations unit. Over six months, that will be about 250. And you take those, and they are the serious complaints that are coming through of all, all different types. And what happens is we have a outstanding corporate investigations team. They're very experienced. They assess the complaint. Now, I'm not going to go into the 
absolutely specific okay. because of privacy concerns. So, Pia, can you just explain, before we get into the rights and wrongs of privacy, what you understand the reasons are why neither The Sun nor the BBC, nor for that matter anyone else is naming this presenter, when a very large number of people in the media, and perhaps more widely than that, think they know who it is? So I've been in the position of trying to work this out from first principles as well, because despite working for The Times, and obviously The Sun is a connected paper, just to be clear, I had no part in the advice to The Sun. Um, The principles of privacy obviously relate to anything to do with your personal life, where there is no public interest, so countervailing public interest that's going to outweigh an Article 8 right to, to private life. And if these matters to do with the BBC presenter are all to do with private life, then unless there is any countervailing public interest, there is no entitlement to publish. So you would think that from first principles, if there is no countervailing interest, there's also no reason to publish a story. What seems to have happened is that Sun has considered whether there is a public interest in the story itself and decided that there is a strong public interest in the story, but the individual, the presenter's Article 8 rights, i.e. right to privacy, is also engaged So to overcome that hurdle, they haven't published his name. There is also the issue of libel, so damage to somebody's reputation. If it were to come out that allegations aren't true, or if they haven't got to the bottom of all of these allegations and there is still more to come, there is a possibility that they have damaged somebody's reputation. There is no rowing back from that, and the presenter would sue for libel damages. So my analysis of where the sun has got to is that they haven't named because they are being cautious in relation to privacy rights and libel. The BBC, I think, are in a very different position because they do, and they have alluded to this, um, have obligations towards an employee. It is not right to be able to name somebody just because they are the subject of an internal investigation or a disciplinary matter. And of course, the matter is complicated, and I think Tim Davey was alluding to this, because if there is any police involvement at all, The law has now moved to a really difficult position that somebody's privacy rights are engaged at the point they become the subject of an investigation. Now, we know there is no live police investigation, but the conversation over the weekend after The Sun published was very much focused on if it's not this new case law, which comes from the case of ZXC versus Bloomberg, then what is it? And I think there was a lot of confusion for a couple of days about whether the law which says that you cannot be named if you are of the subject of an investigation has gone so far that even if you are being investigated by your employer, then you might be entitled to anonymity. Uh, Okay, Pia, let's go slowly through those things. So I get all three of these points. The Article 8 privacy rights, your fundamental rights to privacy – in effect, the reputational rights, the libel issue, and then the BBC's duty of care responsibilities, although, of course, these are complicated in this case because in protecting or administering its duty of care to one presenter, it could be argued that it is you know, endangering or uh, failing in its duty of care to other presenters. Um, Daniel, I'm going to come to you in a minute, but I just want to clarify this point about the Bloomberg case. Because it seems as though, and your comments in the Times this morning, Pia, suggested to me that the courts have got ourselves into a slightly confusing place because as far as I understand it, they're saying if you are the subject of an investigation, your privacy rights are engaged, i.e. you can't necessarily be named during the course of that 
investigation. And there are two cases here that come to mind. So there's the Bloomberg case against the wealthy individual who found themselves being investigated over financial matters. And there was, of course, the more publicly um, uh, and widely commented uh, case of Cliff Richard. And I should say, again, I worked at BBC News when that case of the BBC covering the police investigation of his home um, uh, was aired. Can you just explain, and I really don't understand this, is it the case that your privacy rights are engaged at the point that the police are investigating, the police say they are investigating, the police have arrested you as part of an investigation, or you have been charged as part of an investigation? At what stage can you say, my privacy rights are engaged, you can't name me? You can say your privacy rights are engaged, you can't name me, from the point of arrest onwards, and those rights fall away if you are charged. You can also say that your privacy rights are engaged if you are interviewed under caution and the police take no further action. So with interview under caution, that's not part of ongoing criminal proceedings. You might be just called in and interviewed under caution, and the law at the moment says the fact that you've been interviewed under caution is a private matter. But just so I understand it, neither there in the Cliff Richard case nor the Bloomberg case are relevant in the case of this presenter because as far as we know, there's been A, no arrest and B, no interview under caution. That's right. And that's, I think, a proper statement of the law. The difficulty is that the ZXC case in the Supreme Court is confusing because we're not clear where the boundaries now lie. The case was about not about an arrest at all, in fact. It was about um, an information request from one country to another. But they talked about the point of arrest and whether at that point your Article Article 8 rights are engaged. But by extension, they also suggest that anybody under suspicion for a criminal offence, and they don't say in what circumstances, could invoke privacy rights. Because the whole concept behind this is that if people the public at large, learn that you are under suspicion, they may assume that you are guilty. And that is forever damaging to your reputation. So therefore, it should not be published in the first place. So, Danny, can I ask you what you think of this? Because, uh, and Pierre, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but if I hear you right, the duty of care issues of the BBC are separate and for the BBC to weigh one presenter against other presenters against... Mm -hmm. Um, the interests of the organisation as a whole. The libel issue really rests on whether or not the defence of truth, the extent to which there's confidence in the truth of the naming and the, you know, veracity of the allegations, are they true? But Danny, if I listen to this correctly, you can't really bring the Cliff Richard case to bear in making a judgment on the naming of the presenter And even the Bloomberg case seems as though it's a step or two removed from this case. So going back to Pia's first point, it's really a question of whether or not the public interest outweighs the privacy interest. Is that that your read on this? Is that your explanation for why this individual hasn't been named? I I certainly don't think uh, libel or defamation comes into it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that The Sun is pretty sure of its facts. And I am convinced that 10 or 15 years ago, they would have named the presenter. 
if you remember, you know, stories about celebrities in the past, Frank Boff, we're looking at BBC presenters of the past, um, who was caught taking cocaine, wearing lingerie at a party involving prostitutes. That was splashed across the news of the world. He was sacked as a result. Um, there have been other stories about sports stars and celebrities. The tabloids in particular used to name them regularly. I think that has changed. And I think one of the things that has changed it, not the defamation laws, I don't think that's always been a risk. And I'm pretty sure the Sun uh, is sure of its facts. It is this creeping uh, reach of privacy that I think um, the Cliff Richard case, the Bloomberg case involving this businessman ZXC, and a couple of other cases as well, have sort of scared, I think, some of the newspapers uh, because they're worried that they will face uh, legal action for breach of privacy. So although the Cliff Richard case concerned a criminal investigation, the ZXC case also concerned a criminal investigation and a request uh, for, uh, for cooperation, I think, from one state to another, um, and, and this person may, may have been um, caught up in it. Um, although we're not at the stage of criminal investigation yet, I think it's that concern around privacy and, and, and the sort of grey area that Pierre um, alluded to that I think is worrying the sun. And we've seen it in, in other cases as well. Um, we've seen it recently. There are, there's a Conservative MP at the moment who has been repeatedly bailed for serious, uh, uh, alleged serious offences of rape. He hasn't been named. Uh, there was another Conservative MP a couple of years ago who was uh, interviewed, certainly, on suspicion of rape. He was never named by the mainstream media. Um, and there is a, a footballer at the moment, a high-profile footballer, who, again, has been bailed for rape, um, and uh, he hasn't been named either. Look, I appreciate that. The heart of this story is if at least some of the allegations or if the broad outline of this story are roughly right then there's an implosion of a person with knock-on impact to their family, for the young person involved, for their family, and for all the people who know and work with those people. So there's a very personal story at the heart of this. There may not, in fact, be that significant a cultural story or systemic story or story about working practices through the BBC. I, it might be quite an individual uh, story, this. The reason why the privacy issue matters is that the suspicion that arises, I think, for the BBC is that the allegations or the concern is raised or the complaint is made in May and it takes weeks and weeks until something is done about it. In effect, the BBC puts the interests of its own above the interests of the family or the public and in not naming the individual – the concern might be on the public that that's happening again, right? Now, I appreciate the rights of privacy, but the argument in the public interest is we need to understand the cultural operations of an organization that we fund and that obviously has influence and power in the country. I don't understand, Danny, and I would be interested to know what your judgment would be, because this is obviously a judgment call. My judgment in this case is that this individual should be named. Um, I would have hoped by now that he would have come forward himself to issue a statement. Uh, he may deny the allegations. He may say I made a mistake. Um, it's more complicated or it's a private matter. I don't want to be bothered, but I am in, I am the individual. I'm coming forward, putting my name out there. 
for the sake of my colleagues so that they're not pestered and uh, that their reputations aren't, aren't tarnished and also for the sake of the wider BBC to say this is a private matter between me and the individuals concerned um, and it will be resolved in, in whatever way. I wish that individual, frankly, would have the gumption to come forward and do that and he clearly hasn't so far. Um, and if he doesn't, I think the BBC should, because I think this is damaging the entire reputation of the BBC. But in terms of the, I do think the balance has tipped. And the reason, James, I think this is, I don't think that an individual as high profile as this man is, this uh, presenter whose household name, etc. I don't think they have as much an expectation of privacy as a junior researcher or producer working at the BBC. I think, and particularly if it's the case that this individual has done interviews and talked about some of their private life, their hobbies and so on, I don't know, but if they have, then that I think opens them up further to an argument that actually, you know, we ought to know a bit more um, and, and you, ought to be, you ought to be named. I also think it just makes a mockery on the day that the BBC's annual report is published with a list of, of all the top earners and so on, it makes a mockery of that, that this individual is still nameless. Uh, and, and so I do think there is a, uh, you know, the balance has tipped in favour of naming. That's, that's my view about it. Pia, what do you think, the balance of public interest versus privacy in this case? I think that there is a huge public interest generally in people being named if they are under suspicion um, for an offence. So there isn't any proven criminality here. But regardless of that, I think it's, to me, it's, you, you talked about explaining. It's about explaining what's going on in society around you. And it's about the public's right to know about what's right in front of their nose and for them to understand better what the circumstances are. Uh, last night on the 10 o'clock news, there was a panel of people talking about a BBC presenter who is part of the world that they come from. And it just makes a sort of a mockery of what's going on around us when the public are kept out of a very big part. And identities and names are a fundamental part. And people in the public eye are public figures and they, they actually carry some responsibility. So I'm very much in favour of scrutiny because I think that there's the, the problem with the, the way the cases have gone is that the courts have said, if you do that, people are going to assume that that person is guilty. And I think there's a responsibility on the press and broadcasters to say, look, that's not what we're doing. We're not saying somebody's guilty here. We're just saying that people ought to know that this person has questions hanging over them. If there's no criminality, if it's just the case that two people who are perhaps of very different ages um, in different circumstances have a relationship, physical, digital, sexual or otherwise, why is that even news? Why does that have to be in the public domain? Well, that, I think that's exactly it. I think the, the story has moved because I think I haven't read anything which absolutely pins down confirmed criminality. I haven't read anything which says that the age at which these images have, have been exchanged is has been pinned down. And it may be that that evidence isn't available. It may be that the testimony that the son obtained didn't include that information. But I have to say that is a matter for inquiry by the BBC and ultimately by the police. Because if there is if if there's a question, if there is a suspicion that those messages were sent before the age of 18 
to me, that's a trigger for an inquiry. Danny? I, I, I think the reality is that the story is out there. And I suppose I'm approaching it from a practical position, which is, I think it would be much better for the BBC and this individual. And I think it is now in the public interest to say who he is. And that may help explain some of the context and some of the BBC's positioning on it and the steps that they've taken. And it also may give space for him to explain what's happened uh, or deny or say back off or whatever it might be. And also might explain why certain people aren't on air and we're not seeing them on our screens, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm seeing it from that mm. position, really, from, from where we are at the moment. I don't know whether there's a crime has been committed and clearly the Metropolitan Police don't know, which is why they're doing a scoping exercise uh, to try and assess whether there has been. Um, and but but it does raise questions I mean, it's extraordinarily huge sum of money if it's correct thirty five thousand uh, pounds to pay uh, to someone uh, of that age with apparently no connection allegations have been made by the person's parents um you know i just feel that the that the that the balance has just tipped too far so that papers and the media are just scared of of printing someone's name that's left us in a, I think, a poorer position, um, and you know we we can't really understand exactly what's going on, and you know I'm worried that some people with the means to protect themselves, with the financial means or the influence, will do so, and you know, and there are other people who don't have those means to protect themselves, and I know of individuals who have been named, who have been identified in public, uh, and they, you know, th th there's no way they can protect themselves at all. Let me just play back, if I can, where we've uh, where we've got to. If I've if I've got it right, at least I hope that I've uh, got it right. In essence, the fundamental principle is people do have a right to privacy, and the public does have an interest in understanding how the world really works. This is the idea of privacy versus public interest. You have to weigh one against the other. There are separate issues here about libel. Have we got the facts right? And a separate issue about duty of care to people in a vulnerable position. In in this particular case, actually, we're not really talking about the libel issue. If they think they've got the story right, they publish and they did. We're not really talking necessarily about duty of care because you could weigh it either way. So what we're really trying to understand is the decision on public interest versus privacy. Pia, where do you think this ends up? I don't think the name of this individual is going to come into the mainstream press unless there are new allegations which trigger a criminal investigation and the police decide to uh, open up an investigation. And if he's charged, because, of course, the irony of all of this is if he's arrested, he is absolutely not able. No one can name him. He will not be named because of the status of the law. So there is a huge irony in this is we're worrying about that case which stops you arresting. He's not actually been arrested yet. But if, if it now triggers a police investigation, then he does not get named. Um, Just to let you know, while we are talking circles within circles, the BBC has now reported that an individual in their 20s was threatened by the presenter involved in another circumstance. The problem with this, of course, is that that means that that person knows who the presenter is. Mm. even though the BBC is still not naming them. So I suspect it can't hold. Um, but as you say... It can't hold. Um, well, I think more people will come out of the woodwork. Um, I mean, that's what, as, as we know from previous cases, um, you know, we know that people come out and make other allegations. Uh, some of them turn out to be false. 
but some of them may not. And I think that's probably what will happen. I don't think this can hold. I really just can't see it. It's it's too big, and I think the individual is too big um, in terms of the BBC's position. I, I think his name will, will emerge. Piers Olmer and Danny Shaw, thank you. I think we should probably leave it there. I really appreciate you making time to help us make sense of the judgments at play here. When we set up the news meeting, the idea was to open up the conversations in our newsroom, as in every other newsroom, the judgments at play in the news. I hope that if you've taken the time to listen, you'll understand the particular judgments in weighing privacy and the public interest in this case. And before I go, I should say that Basher Cummings, the great Basher Cummings of the Slow Newscast, is going to be here on Friday with our usual end-of-week episode of the news meeting. Please do join her and the team then. Tortoise. Follow Legacy Now wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can binge entire seasons early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.